Well, everybody, it's that time once again. It's time for Dear Anger with Ed Krasnick and Rini Jane. I'm Ed. Rini is here coming along shortly. She's waving now, but that's, this is audio, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, you can't hear my wave? <laughs> we will hear. We're all going to be doing the wave because we're all going to be waving at our own anger. That's what, How's that for a segue? We, this, is, this is a show where we talk about our relationship to anger, how we transform anger, how we relate to it, what messages anger has. It gets a bad rap. We don't have a relationship with it. It's, it's, this is what we're exploring in the show. We're going to give you techniques and skills and maybe some understanding about you know, what, what anger, what role anger can have uh, in your life. And it's not negative. However, today's episode is a little bit about negative self-talk. And I'd like to, without further ado, and I'll use the word ado anytime I want, um, the founder of GoZen.com teaches resilience skills for years all over the world, parents, schools, kids, everyone, and teaches through creative play, teaches about the science of well-being through creative play at GoZen.com, and studied, and he's going to get a residual for this, studied with the father of applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, Marty Seligman. Rini Jane! <laughs> Rini! Seriously. <laughs> Hi. I love that you use the word ado. <laughs> well, much, much pardon ado my French, about if anger. you'll pardon my French. Uh, they, the, the, <laughs> so, yeah, so this one, so negative self-talk. Now, I know, I know negative talk. I know negative thinking. This is specific. This is negative self-talk. Yeah. You know, when our kids are beating themselves up and sometimes they do it in their mind, it's silent, and a lot of times they do it out loud. They start to do it out loud because, you know, it's a little cry for help. Oh, I'm so stupid. I can't do this. I'm so dumb. I look terrible. I'm horrible. I'm ugly. Oh, it's heartbreaking. But you know, this show is not called Dear Sadness. This show is called Dear Anger. So why are we talking about negative self-talk on Dear Anger? Because interestingly, it can be very triggering for us as parents to hear our kids talking about themselves like this. And that's where I'd like to unpack that. Why are we getting angry when our kids are doing this? Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with our own emotions and the fact that we've all done negative self-talk unchecked for 30 to 40 years. I don't know if that might have something to do with it. But but still, um, it is... I relate it to panic. What happens inside me is I panic and react. And I think that that's what I have to do as a parent. I have to stop what they're doing, not relate to what they're doing. And it's painful, of course. And you know what? I have those voices inside myself that have been unchecked and that have gone on for years. So we got to stop that. We got to put a stop to it. That's the first reaction that I have. Oh, yeah, we have to stop it. I think you're right. I think there is definitely an identification with this, you know, that opens up some old wounds or maybe existing wounds within us where we're really identifying or over identifying with what our kids are experiencing. And we're like, oh, what? Why are, you know, then the fear, 
why are you going through that? I thought that was just something I was going to go through. Or maybe I think more rarely we're under identifying with it where it's like, you know, why is that thing that you're talking about that you're so dumb because you can't do your homework or something else? Why does that bother you? Right. So there is going to be a portion of the population that doesn't identify with the negative self-talk of their kids. And then there is going to be many of us, you and I included, Ed, who are over-identifying. Oh my goodness, those kind of thoughts go through my head. But again, so so what's going on where we're getting triggered? So there's this identification and we see our pain in our kids. We see our own pain, right, in what they're going through. I think we also, I think you touched on this when you were saying you start to panic because I think that panic is coming from, am I going to be able to cope with this as a parent? Am I going to be able to solve this, you know, or is this going to be a hashtag parenting fail or tell my kid, don't be so hard on yourself. And they just, you know, they continue to do it. And that's triggering for us. Well, I think also there's a, there's a stigma for teens, which I think a lot of parents actually believe, well, this is just part of being a teenager. This is part of being, every teen, this is part of being a teenager. They'll just go through it and it'll be part of being a teenager. But do they have to suffer, is my question, because they're teenagers? Is it necessary for, is that part of being a teenager? Is this part of the brain growing? What What is going on here with negative self-talk? Yeah, you know, I think we all have a very deep desire from a biological and a psychological perspective to belong. We all want to belong right? We all want to be part of a group. Um, It helped us survive as we were, you know, we're going through being cave people and then evolving. It was for survival. It was easier to be with the tribe. Um, But, you know, in modern times, we all want to be part of some group. And so there is a lot of comparison that goes on, social comparison that goes on um, from an academic point of view, from an image point of view. And so we're looking around and we're like, oh my goodness, I'm not as good as this other person. My skin's not as unblemished. My grades aren't as high. My sports skills aren't as adept. And so do I? am I going to really belong in some sort of group? So I do think there is some of that going on. You also find it interesting that you said, you know, are we going to suffer? It reminds me of um, the Buddhist par- uh, parable of the second arrow. So something along, I don't know, I wasn't there with Buddha, but something, <laughs> something along the lines of, you know, Buddha asking a student, if a person is struck by an arrow, is it painful? If the person is struck by a second arrow, is it even more painful? And then he kind of goes on to explain, you know, in life, we can't always control the first arrow. So the first arrow might be, you know, you get a bad grade or you have a pimple, right? But the second arrow is our reaction to that. And the second arrow is optional. So this is sometimes interpreted as pain is inevitable, right? Going through these things that are happening with our kids, these challenges that they're facing, inevitable. But some of the suffering is optional. If, if you took out the self-talk aspect of these things, if pain is just pain, then that's pain. I think what's more painful and what has been in my life, the most painful thing comes from inside my head where I'm saying things to myself. 
and the things that I'm saying to myself, if I said them out loud to another person, they would be horrified. And they'd be, you know, they'd think it's a horror sh- Like how mean it is. This is awful, what you're saying to yourself. And you're just thinking, oh, he's just trying to be, we hear this all the time in the public eye now with mental health. We hear, oh, you need to talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend. Just don't talk to yourself like you're Satan. Maybe that would be, I'm not even <laughs> saying be a friend. Just don't be Satan. Uh, see if you can not be Satan for a few minutes to yourself. Somehow it's become so incredibly acceptable for us to kick ourselves and kick ourselves when we're down and do it out loud. And it goes beyond, you know, humorous self-deprecation, which I know Ed as being a comic and a stand-up comedian and, you know, being an actor that you use self-deprecation for comedy, right? All the time. Yeah. And this goes beyond that, right? This is different. What's the difference, by the way? Well, the difference is, you know, you're making fun of yourself a little bit. The, the, the difference is the extreme extremities of what you're, what you're saying to yourself. And it's, it's, I'm awful. I'm horrible. I look like crap. I'm ugly. I'm not saying I'm ugly. I'm saying it maybe I'm saying about my looks, but I'm saying it in a different way as a comic. But I'm talking about directly saying these things to yourself in your head and then outside. If you're a teenager, it's very common to hear, I'm ugly, I'm horrible, nobody likes me, everybody's better than me, I'm a horrible person, I'm disgusting. These are, this is every day, many times a day. It is truly heartbreaking because as parents and as humans raising a generation of kids, I think we remember and we even see really young kids come into the world. They don't do that. They own who they are. They look at the mirror. (laughs) The two-year-olds go into their bedroom. They put on a tutu and a fireman's hat and get dressed however they want. And they look in the mirror and they own it. And they're like, yeah, I'm awesome. You know, applesauce dripping down their face. (laughs) They don't care. So what happens? How do we get to the point where then that same kid is saying, I hate myself. I don't want to look in the mirror anymore or I'm not good enough. All of this is not good enoughness. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we talk about on Dear Anger is awareness of how this is triggering for us as parents, as teachers, as educators. Why are we getting triggered listening to our own kids doing this? I think this might be a good time for us to maybe play a scenario that sort of speaks to this. Yeah. Okay, role play, take one. I'm so disgusting. Look at me. Look at this huge zit. I just want to crawl in a hole. You're beautiful. What are you talking about? Mom, you're my mom. You have to say that. But that's not the truth. I'm disgusting. Stop being so hard on yourself. It's just a few pimples. It's no big deal. No big deal? Seriously? Julian said my face has its own zip code. Ignore your brother. You know you're beautiful. Stop saying that. It's not true. I hate myself. And I hate that you don't get it. You're being very superficial. This is not a real problem. There are people with real health issues. 
everyone goes through this. Grow up. Ouch. Everyone goes through this. Grow up. <laughs> That's, but it's coming out of, what's the first response always? The first response always is, no, you're not those things. Of course, you're you're beautiful. Now, that's like to a kid who's in that state, that really is, that's painful. It is. We're doing it out of love. We're doing it because we want them to see themselves as we see them. But it is invalidation after invalidation after invalidation. You don't look that way. And by the way, you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> okay? Not only... Do you not, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, your interpretation of the way you look, but also be grateful. This isn't a real problem, right? So we go from you're so beautiful to then we get triggered, right? So we're triggered by the fact that how could our kids not be grateful for what they have? How could they not be taking a perspective that's wider, that's sort of zooming out and seeing all the real problems in the world? And I think we forget developmentally that kind of perspective takes a lot of time. We're not born with that perspective, right? We go through some really selfish developmental stages as we're growing up. So what I hear in that scenario is a mom who loves her child, a child who loves her mom, they're both totally disconnected from one another. Yeah, and 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 inside there's some unexplored territory, which is all those things that you mentioned. I'm a mom, what I'm feeling, if I took a second to pause and feel it, is I'm worried, I'm panicked, my kid's not okay, I'm future thinking, what if this kid doesn't turn around, I can't believe my kid doesn't like themselves, why don't they feel valuable, did I do something wrong? Is that, All of this is happening, none of it is being attended to, and, we're, and, and you're, we have two kids here growing up. We have two, these are two inner children who are not, who have never found the validation or the self-care. I love that you're bringing in this idea that we're blaming ourselves. I think that really happens when we hear this negative self-talk. All of a sudden it's, wait a second, I've given this child so much love. How could, how could they be talking to, to, about themselves like this? What did I do wrong? Oh, we go there so quickly. Or what am I doing wrong? And that triggers our anger. Our anger wakes up inside. That's what did I do wrong? And then you're reacting, you know, based on that, there's something wrong with me. And then I have to, and then I'm going to react to that. It's like, wait a minute, I'm a parent. I try so hard to do it. If you're a human being, if you're a mammal, either a kid, a teen, or a parent, or a grandparent, this is every, you experience this all the time. This is not like, oh, there's a mental health problem. This is not a mental health problem. This is all the time, and it goes unchecked. It goes with you as an adult. It goes with you as a teenager. It goes with you with a single person. It goes with you with a couple, with a married couple. This is what's, this negative self-talk goes on. What can we do about it? I think we have to be really strategic in the way that we're connecting with our kids, right? So in that particular scenario, I think it's incredibly important for us to allow the space for them to have that negative self-talk. You know, I think that's really important. And we can see in the scenario we just played, it completely backfired when the mom was like, but you're beautiful, you know, you should know you're beautiful. So first things first is allow our kids 
to vent how they're feeling, to express how they're feeling. And even if we don't know what to say, just the, mm-hmm, wow, you know, just a few words sometimes can be a, a container for them, a space where we're like, okay, I hear you and I see you and what you say matters. Now, of course, we want to be able, once we validate their feelings and allow them to express them and feel them, we want to be able to help them transform those feelings. So what are the things that are in our control to do? Um, We need to really model this kind of self-talk. I don't think we do this. I don't think enough of us are talking out loud to ourselves at home in front of our kids, no matter what age they are. I think we have a lot of inner monologue that goes on, but that needs to go on in narration form. So what do I mean? You know, if I'm standing in front of the mirror, if I have a kid who is struggling with their body image, all of us at some point or another have struggled with some part of our body, right? It's a really good idea to talk out loud to ourselves about that struggle. Oh man, I've been working really hard and kind of, you know, to running and working out and my body shape it just doesn't seem to be changing. Like I don't like the way my belly looks. It looks totally different than before. So we're talking out loud about our struggle. And then, but you know what? I'm I'm focusing on strength. I'm starting to focus on strength now. So even though my body doesn't look exactly the way I want it to, I can be, I can make myself stronger. And that's important to me. So what is all this talking I'm doing right now? I'm literally talking out loud to myself, expressing a challenge I'm having with my body, and then expressing kind of a different focus that I have. So I'm not, I'm making it realistic. That's something that I would probably say to myself in the mirror. And then our kids are listening to that self-talk being modeled. It's a, it's a two-way conversation. And this is the truth with anger, but it's also the truth with any emotion and any thought. It, you can turn these things around but it's a conversation. We've been, it's like being in a room with a drill sergeant. You're in the room with a drill sergeant. You will listen to what I say. And that's what, that's the relationship that most people have with their thoughts and feelings. You got a drill sergeant, you can't respond. You'll get thrown out of the army. You'll get court martialed. It's not that way. You can work anything out if you actually talk it out and respond to it. But I think we got something coming up, which is this is the negative self talk. I think we have to hear what we're saying in order to realize how, uh, how, how difficult it is and how you would never do it to another person. I think we have to hear it. And then let's be honest. A lot of times the self-talk goes to extremes. A lot of times there is distortion in what's being said. And we start to go to, I'm the worst one in my class. I'm the ugliest one. I'm the least fit, right? This I'm going to be like this forever. So these words, if you hear them being used by your kids, it is an anxiety of Hallmark or a hall rather. It is an anxiety of Hallmark. That's not what I meant to say. It is a hallmark of anxiety to have distorted thoughts. And so one thing that we can do because it's hard to remember in the moment what to do, right? Who's going to remember all of the things to say? But I love Byron Katie's work. It's actually called The Work on Becoming More Accurate with Your Thoughts. And one of her main questions that she asks you to ask yourself is, is this really true? If we can get our kids 
to ask themselves just that question. Oh, I'm like the most horrible person on the, you know, on this team. I'm the worst. And then they ask themselves, can be on their own. It can be in writing. Is that really true? Is this statement really true? It's so incredibly opening, enlightening, and it's a way to accurate thinking. So we always say forget positive thinking. Get your kids to be accurate thinkers. And that one question can nudge you in that direction. Can you give me an example? Well, I think we have examples coming up, but it's it's when when we say accurate thinking, you know, you have a zit. That's true. It's actually on your face. However, <laughs> is it the biggest zit in the world? Is it the worst thing that's ever happened to mankind? Is it the worst? And are you the worst person ever in the world? No, <laughs> but you—is that accurate? Is that an accurate thought? That's what I'm telling myself. Is it accurate? No, it's not accurate. And what is accurate? You know, and it's like we don't spend any time on that process, but we spend plenty of time on the you're the worst, you're never going to be loved, everything's horrible, you're the worst, you're ugly, you're disgusting. Plenty of time on that. That's not accurate. That is not accurate thinking. And if we come to our kids and we say, that's not accurate, you're not thinking accurately, a lot of times they'll get turned off by it or they'll say, well, you're my mom, you have to say that. But when we give them the skill to dispute their own thoughts, that's a lifelong skill of resilience. That's something that they can do and they will take with them. Even if they don't do it in the moment, they are armed with the knowledge and at some point in their life, they will use it. So I would love to hear, you know, what happens, what's the after in this scenario that we played? What's another way that this mom could have handled what happened when her daughter was looking in the mirror and talking about this big zit on her face? I'm so disgusting. Look at me. Look at this huge zit. I just want to crawl in a hole. Ouch. It hurts to hear you talk about yourself like that. But I understand. I remember feeling that way when I was your age. Yeah, I seriously doubt it. Well, doubt all you want. It's still true. I had acne all over my skin as a teen. And yeah, I wanted to crawl in a hole. Why didn't I know this? Well, because it's in the past. It goes away. It gets better. Well, that's great for you. But what am I supposed to do until then? I can't control this. One thing is still in your control. Be kind to yourself. Come on, Mom. That doesn't help. Try this. See this mole on my face? Call it disgusting. Do it. In fact, call me disgusting with your most grossed out voice. Seriously, Mom? Come on, just do it. Fine. That mole on your face? is disgusting. You are disgusting. Keep going. No, I don't want to. Why? Because it's mean. It's awful. I don't want to talk to you like that. Exactly. And that's what you sound like when you're talking to yourself. Can you try to be kinder to you? How about this pimple sucks, but it'll pass. I'm not the only one going through this. This pimple sucks eggs. 
but it'll pass. Better? What do you think? Better. Definitely better. So what do you think about that, Ed? Well, that's that's great on so many levels, but it's very, it sounds really simple, but what she's doing is very sophisticated. Um, there's valid, now you're not going to do it that way, okay? It's going to be, it's going to be messy. It's not going to come out right, but the intention has got to be, is there. And that one thing, if you could hear how this sounds, then tell me about me and talk to me like you talk to yourself. If you do nothing else, if you could try that, but of course, don't try it in the middle of a crisis. Try it when you're not in crisis. Try it, you know, when you're having fun or you're watching a movie or you're doing something. That is a great exercise to do. And it's good to know that this kind of change takes time, right? These are little nudges. So asking your kids to call you disgusting so they can hear or say the same thing they're saying to themselves, to you, which is the technique that she used, you know, maybe it'll work. Or as, as Ed said, said, maybe at home it looks totally different and it doesn't work like that. But the point is, is that saying these things out loud and trying some of these techniques can nudge us in the right direction. These kids that have negative self-talk are extremely hard on themselves. One thing that we are trying to instill in lots of different ways is self-compassion, truly, you know, and this idea that things are temporary, that things can change, that their things aren't fixed, right? That they aren't on this destined path to always have acne or always be whatever, always is out of the mix, essentially. So yeah, I think the technique was amazing. I think she tried to connect with her child at first by explaining that she had acne when she was a kid. And then I think that she engaged her in a technique. So Ed and I have an action step for you. We would love for you to start talking to yourself at home. Ed, what, what would we like everyone to do this week? Well, talk to yourself and, and you know, maybe they could write to themselves. Just write what you're saying to yourself. Just notice it. Note it. If you can't write it, if you don't have time to write it, so I'm not going to sit down and write this. Note it. Just say in your head, oh, look what I just said to myself. Then maybe the next thing that they can do is they can write the question, is this true? I love that. Some, some out loud self-talk and then asking yourself, is this really true? So I think that that's our show for this week. You know, anger comes from many different places in many different ways. And what we're saying to you on Dear Anger is there's actually nothing wrong with anger. Anger can be an enlightening experience. It opens us up to something that's important to us. It opens us up to noticing that maybe we want to change in our lives. Anger has a purpose. So we're so happy that you guys are joining us to talk about anger every week. And come to Anger Palooza, which is a festival that we're going to be having. It's bigger than Coachella. It's bigger than Lollapalooza. It's all about anger and the feelings that sit under it. It's coming. I'm, I'm telling you it's coming. I'm making it up in my head, but honest to God, when we put a little music to it, it's going to be a whole thing. If you guys want to find out more about Dear Anger and listen to our podcast, subscribe. And if, if you're having a good experience, giving us a positive rating can really help us reach others. You can find that at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anger. That's it for this week but i'll tell you we'll be back next week with another whole episode of dear anger and really try this thing if you do one thing this week out loud 
Is It True? I'm Ed Krasnick. And I'm Rini Jane. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Bye, everyone.